up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, bringing you Nostalgia Ranks once again. This is Pat Sheehan, joined by my trusty co-host, Dave. He's a genius, the Pablo Picasso of the rap game. Martinson, Dave, how you doing, man? Uh, wake up, Mr. West. We're, we're ranking your albums. Tune in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think our shared love of Kanye was one of the things that really brought us together to do the podcast originally. You know, when we first decided to record, we knew like uh, the life of Pablo was coming out. And one of our first episodes, if you go back and check that out way back. Second episode. Second episode. Wow. Jeez. So <laughs> right, right days, that, go get that. we did a, a deep breakdown. We've never done another pod like that again, but a deep breakdown of the life of Pablo song by song, track by track. That was that was when we were still figuring it out, figuring out what we wanted the pod to be. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we've been to uh Kanye concerts together. We've, you know, spent uh now it seems like hours on the pod discussing Kanye albums and controversy and hype. Four album There's, reviews officially on the pod. I have a lot of content out of this man. So technically five what? if we count kids see ghosts. So yeah. yeah. So, Kanye's always coming up because that's that's Kanye. <laughs> So why not do another hour on, right? Because there's a ton to talk about. And I think we should probably just caveat at the beginning. Um, this is going to be probably like an hour, maybe a little over an hour long podcast. We could do several hours if we wanted to break down and dissect everything about Kanye. So there's probably going to be some gaps, some oversights. Drop that in the comments if you're watching on youtube.com slash nostalgiapod or if you're on soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod, finding any way to listen to the podcast, you know, hit us up on at nostalgiapod on Twitter and let us know your thoughts about all this. Um, but Dave, maybe we should start as we do with most of these. Kanye West, first time you were really introduced to him, you, that you became aware of him. Do you remember? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. I don't really know. Uh, I have to think it was graduation time. I want to think just because I was too young to really know anything before that. Hmm. And I think it was really, I, I just must've been knowledge of probably stronger, maybe even gold digger, something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, and maybe heartless as well. Stuff that was hmm. really popular on the radio. Um, but then obviously became fully uh, invested in the orbit around uh, when darkness and fantasy came out when I was uh, 18. Yeah, uh, my I think for a lot of people our age that graduation 808s, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that 07 to 10 run is when a lot of people really start tuning into him. It's actually interesting because I have a very specific memory of my first time ever listening to Kanye West. I was driving with my sister back from our grandparents' cottage on the lake in New York. This is like the most white, rich sounding thing about me for sure. Uh, but we were driving and she put on this album called the college dropout and i immediately was like holy shit you know being a 13 year old at this time and being very like very much interested in what my older siblings were doing this immediately caught my attention i listened to it nonstop on my uh, cd player <laughs> you know back in the day uh with the, the headphones and the over the head and right around mm -hmm. the ear um and this immediately became my favorite album and probably remained my favorite album up until uh like college age and um still one of still one of my favorite albums of all time 
uh, and the late registration was actually one of the first albums I bought myself. Uh, I remember mm. buying the CD in my local Best Buy. Shout out to uh, the Best Buy in P- Pittsfield, Massachusetts, right on the Lanesboro border. Um, but yeah, I I remember wearing that out too, and just like laying in my bed listening to the late registration a lot. So it's funny because I feel like I was less tuned into graduation in 808 than obviously my beautiful dark twisted fantasy 2010 in college. Everybody listening to it, everybody talking about it. The songs were just amazing. I feel like that's why I really like tuned back into Kanye, especially because we'll mention that 0708 time was a, a interesting time in Kanye's life and an interesting time in his music and uh his, his public perception. So there was, I was a little bit out on Kanye. And then I think the narrative for a lot of people was a beautiful dark twisted fantasy, real people back in, um, you know, just kind of before we jump into the albums, we probably should start with them earlier because there is so much to get to your perception of Kanye as an artist to follow and root for and consume. How has that changed over the years for you? Huh? Well, well, nowadays he's just older and like most rappers that uh represents a curve on the quality graph mm-hmm. as most people know listen to the more recent stuff the uh you know the, the bars uh, aren't quite as intricate as thoughtful as intelligent as they once were kind of obvious thing to happen um but kind of beyond that beyond like the individual output album the album i mean everyone talks about the kanye west influence obviously such a famous figure in and outside of his music with the celebrity and everything but you know bringing back sampling soul sampling but this kind of bringing back like heavy reliance on sampling in the mid-2000s uh kind of kills the bling era of rap of which you know kanye came up you know as if with rockefeller records producing he was still kind of in in that lane as well but he basically ends that once his music gets you know rapturously received college dropout obviously his first album 441,000 first week he was a star right away and kind of does it all over again with 808s of course with um auto-tune and heavy melody in hip-hop not that he invented mainstream use of auto-tune of course t-pain was very successful already at this time but kind of doing all that you, you then get the common refrain that 808s kind of birthed drake or what drake would become stuff like that drake the person who would one day take kanye's crown as the top of the rap game so his whole career and basically the uh, ups and downs of it and the you know changes and dead ends and everything about it is just very instructive on what would follow because the industry largely would react in turn so there's always a lot to learn about you know just the greater you know genre if you really dig into it yeah in, in preparation for this and i think you really summed it up well um just it seems like Kanye has always kind of been one step ahead of the rap game. And I, I think as of late, that may be shifting a little bit. And like you said, he's older and, you know, like anybody, when you get older, you lose a step. You're a little bit less uh, dynamic, maybe, you know, athletes age and 
they lose a step and you know it can be said the same as for musicians and artists but um just thinking about how you know he came up uh actually interesting so uh he was the producer on the blueprint jay-z's sixth album and uh didn't produce every song four tracks yeah was heavily involved and um that really put him on the map but he had been making music in the chicago scene for a while before that producing a lot and i think Mm -hmm. his ability as a producer it almost like hurt him in the beginning because he was this uh he was seen as this like creator and curator but not necessarily as someone that could be the front man you know he's pretty public about how he was you know not having a really hard time getting a record deal how no one really wanted to sign him but then Rockefeller took a chance on him didn't want to potentially lose him as a producer and really give him a shot and from there it, it you know, being in the forefront, he really shaped not only the persona of what a rapper could be, but then obviously the sound. And I think that that's a major part of this. You know, he's the the kid with the pink polos and the backpack. He's the the kid who's talking about you know feelings and uh, getting into car crashes and vulnerability and thoughtful things, and not necessarily uh, money, hoes, and you know cars again, whatever that line is. I mean, he, he, he grew up middle class, you know. Right. And I, yeah. th- that was kind of the thing, right? Is Dame Dash and everyone at Rockefeller just didn't see it as him mm-hmm. as a rapper because they just didn't think they could sell it because he wasn't a gangster. You know, he wasn't from the streets. And at the right. time, there was no lane for that. And like you said, yeah, uh, Dame was just like, well, we'll probably eventually lose him to someone else. We might as well keep him around even if we're more invested in him as the producer. And, you know, like like I said, like he produced four tracks on the blueprint, but not just any four tracks, like four of the best songs on the blueprint take over heart of the city Izzo, as well mm-hmm. as never change. And, yeah. you know, bringing soul sampling to the forefront as a, you know, a student of no ID who he met in Chicago, you know, became this, this figure right away. And obviously producing for other people on the rock, like Beanie Siegel and whatnot, but to finally uh, get that record deal and, and just kind of evolve, you know, like what it means to be rapper again, just kind of killing off the last vestiges of the bling era and all that. Mm-hmm. And obviously not that gangster rap would go away or stop being mainstream. And thankfully it hasn't, uh, but it just kind of helped, I guess, diversify a little bit. Um, what can, what, what can be accomplished? And yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to reflect on that again, given where Kanye is at now, a lot of the, things in his lyrics now and just how he's acted as a public figure it doesn't always seem as congruous as what it was like for him to get a start obviously back in 2002 yeah and uh, i just to kind of i think piggyback off your point about the you know growing up middle class his mom was an intellectual you know he lived in uh, asia i think it was actually china with his mom when she was teaching on a fulbright scholarship dad was part of the black panthers and um, was a like figure, a political and, and social activist down in the, the Atlanta area, the Georgia area. And um, this isn't a person who was necessarily growing up with the same hardships as a lot of his peers in the rap game. Um, and I think that actually helped him stand out and make that lane and also stand out for some of his song concepts. You know, I was talking last night uh, in, when I was preparing for this with uh, 
Julianne, my, my fiance now. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy that he wrote Jesus Walks on his first album and that, put that out as a single and that it was a huge hit. And yeah, she was top like, that 20. was on his first album? <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 she just couldn't believe it because that's such a risk for an artist to make and yeah. such a thoughtful song. And to think about where he is now, he's really transitioned from that, you know, almost that like social mind uh wanting to do better, wanting to enrich the neighborhoods of Chicago to just like provocateur. And yeah. it's it's interesting to see him almost kind of like lose himself within the the persona over the years. It's been a really interesting ride for sure. Yeah. I mean I mean you can just spell it out. He went from the guy who went off script during the Hurricane Katrina benefit to say George Bush doesn't was it doesn't like black people, doesn't care about black people. I forget the quote. Yeah. Doesn't and care about he, black people. He he went from that to saying slavery was a choice a few years yeah. back. And even if he kind of walked that back, it's just kind of represents the degradation. The guy who made crack music right, to, to what he is now, it's just kind of baffling a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I think the, to refine that point, if you go back and listen to our reviews of his most recent albums, Kids See Ghosts, um, we talked about how some of the lyrics on that were the most thoughtful he's been since like the mid, you know, uh, aughts. And it's just sad that we're like giving him credit for that at this point, because he had the potential to be a person who was really using his music to like uh, expound upon and push for change. And uh, I think his own personal battles uh, kind of consumed that, that part of him. Um, You know, we, I feel like we've kind of set the stage. Let's jump right into the college dropout. Um, I mean, at, for a debut album, this is a 10 of 10. This You really can't do better than this as a first album. And obviously, Through the Wire, um, a song about a car crash that he had after falling asleep on a ride home um, from a studio, getting into a car crash, jaw wired shut, uh, writes, uh, and, and writes a song in the hospital, sings the song with his jaw wired or wired shut. You can hear it right in his vocals, talks about it. First single, puts him on the map. Awesome. But I, it's funny, listening back to this, that Shaka Khan sample, I think, stands out more for me than anything from that song. But there's just, like, almost no skips on this. You know, <laughs> like, maybe, like, one or two songs. I think Workout Plan doesn't age that well for me now. And it's the sort of thing where I'm just kind of like, hey, this is Kanye being stupid and silly. But, like, there's like just song after song even the deep cuts something like never let me down i think is one of the most underrated songs in kanye's whole catalog and just to hear him like just like pop off on this is so exciting every time i listen to it what did you think of the college dropout listening back yeah i mean there's just so many keepers on it as you said through the wire notably that was actually on his uh debut mixtape get well Mm -hmm. soon which came out uh, back in December 2002, College Drop yeah. doesn't come out till February 2004. So Through the Wire had been known <clears throat> for some time, and that really was the solo Kanye as a rapper song that got him the respect from everyone at the label. And yeah, I mean, I'll just say it. I think the new workout plan is bad. Like, I think that's a clear <laughs> skip. It's a bad track. Yeah. But other than that, I there's, I really can't really have any problem with anything. I mean, yeah, maybe you don't want to go back to uh, the litany of skits after sure. you've heard them once or twice. But, you know, slow jams, 
that was Kanye's first number one hit, as well as the first number one for Twista and Jamie Jamie Foxx. Of of course, the Twista feature, uh, very memorable. But Mm -hmm. I'm just struck with a lot of like, I guess, memorable flourishes that stand out as Kanye trademarks now, like using the kids to sing in the chorus, We Don't Care, very memorable to me as a Kanye thing. Um, All Falls Down, the Lauryn Hill sampled, you know, the college dropout famously leaked many months before it came out and Kanye Mm -hmm. uh, did a lot of editing and removed songs after that (laughs) he's always been doing it if we really I was gonna say and he never actually cleared it he he wanted to actually have Lauren Hill's vocals be the song right but he couldn't get that cleared so it's just an interpolation instead but still an amazing track um and Spaceship of course very notable for the presence of GLC and Consequence who Kanye had produced for and even rapped a little bit with in Chicago before he even had signed to Rockefeller. School Spirit, notably censored because that was the only way he could clear the Aretha Franklin sample. And basically everyone around him and everyone has said in like oral histories and stuff that if they couldn't clear that Aretha Franklin sample, there's just not enough to the song to justify it. So they yeah. had to do it, had to censor it. It's cool to hear. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, Freeway's verse on two words also. Uh, quite yeah. legendary but I mean that song's awesome most Steph's great in that too and then talk about a great uh, finish to an album through the wire family business and last call oh my last God. call a nod to uh, Jay-Z outros so yep. yeah very uh, I mean yeah people know yeah I think that's the thing is it's like what more can we actually add to the discourse on the college dropout you know um, 16 years later that hasn't already been said but yeah, it's funny because I'm just like scrolling through the track list and I'm like, yep, I love this moment on this song. I mean, I mentioned Never Let Me Down, Jay Ivey bringing in a spoken word uh, person who really has no other song credits, but just kind of like steals that song is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Jesus Walks, all the different versions of it, I think are great. And also the the music videos around it are fantastic. Um, all Falls Down also has a great music video. This is when Kanye's music videos, I mean, I think they're always pretty interesting, but these ones just like really stand out in my mind for that era. And there's just so many cool moments. I mean, you know, it, the the gospel singers on Jesus Walks is something that he comes back to a lot more and, inter- and incorporates throughout his career. So it's just cool to see how Kanye was always Kanye, but just was really like operating at a high level right from the get-go. Pretty, yeah. pretty amazing to see. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about Jesus Walks is that it, it's a very like militant vibe mm-hmm. while still being about Kanye's personal religious beliefs. And, and they, you know, everyone at the label, they didn't think that had any commercial appeal at all. They did not know how to sell a song so blatantly religious. And yet it was a top 20 track uh, in multiple countries. Uh, I, I also just want to know that the get them high beat, it just goes so hard. And I just remember being very hyped when he actually played that at our Yeezus tour stop in albany new york obviously yeah. he would you know the the deep cuts the the middle of the set list he would kind of switch it tour leg to tour leg so you weren't sure exactly what you were going to get when you actually saw him and he did get him high which is really cool to see you know i'm sure he's only performed that song probably a dozen times since then you know <laughs> you know if you think about that so um oh. Yeah, I guess yeah. one thing to note too is right around, uh, right after the college dropout release in 2004, he does found good music and uh, common and John Legend 
and I believe No ID are, I believe, the, among the first signees. And, and we know good music is still exists in one form or another uh, to this day. Uh, I mean, obviously, Donda was still released as a good music release under Def Jam. So, yeah. Great, great point on the good music. I think that's another part of Kanye's legacy is just his ability to like find talent and elevate them you know, in, in collaboration. Um, we're going to be talking about some of those as we move on. You know, late registration drops a year later. And, uh, you know, I guess like a year and a half later, because I think that's later on in 2005. Yeah, August, yeah, August and, 05. So about a year and a half. And, you know, similarly, you know, this is part of this, like, uh, there's supposed to be, I think, a, what, like four or five track run of, like, college school themed stuff. Uh, originally, it turned out only being three, which is fine. Yes. But Good ass um, job never came out, famously. Yeah. <laughs> um, Late registration stands out to me for just how it seems like Kanye's going grander. You know, he's gone, he's going for a bigger sound. One of the um, first uh, songs that comes to mind when I think about this album is Diamonds um, from Sierra Leone. And just uh, a song that sounds so like monumentous and it has such a buildup. I actually love both versions of this mm. on the the album um i actually probably played the second one the bonus track more because i think that's a little bit more like interesting to hear kanye talk about his own um controversies and squabbles of fame um late registration doesn't hit as well for me as college dropout i think there's a, a few more songs that i don't find myself coming back to as much but definitely i think a, a really strong sophomore album and you know critically received that way um and uh, also sold just a shit ton of records so late registration your thoughts so i actually like this more than college drop but i just think the rapping is a lot higher level song to song on this uh and it's funny because i'm not even like a huge diamonds from sierra leone guy i don't really run those songs back i also don't really care too much for hey mom or roses which are quite popular songs yeah but i mean touch the sky the introduction of lupe fiasco his fellow chicagoan huge hit gold digger obviously i think oh, second or third biggest hit of connie's career uh with the ray charles sample famously but just i, I can't get enough of songs like drive slow yeah crack music even a lighter song like celebration it's just so easy to revisit i was gonna and, say I mean, bar ending. for bar we major i think is the best rapping he had done to this point i mean all those songs you mentioned are just fantastic fantastic I, I love the uh the ending songs on this uh celebration gone and then late and then obviously you have the diamonds from sierra leone bonus track if you're listening to like the expanded uh album version but yeah i i think late is such a like lighter but like great song um it, just really fun to like bounce to i love gone too just the the flow on that between him and consequence and cameron is just fantastic that middle though you know like bring me down with brandy something i don't mm -hmm. go back to a lot addiction is a skip for me on this which yep. um you know I, I think roses is a good song and i think is actually more meaningful post his mother's passing, I think, you know, some, and obviously I don't think the song was written about his mom at that time, but uh, I think just the way you can expand that into Kanye wanting to um, 
you know, be there for somebody in their, somebody who cares about their time of need. Um, but that beginning is really great and the ending is really great. I think the middle just loses me a little bit. But yeah, like you said, I, I think there's just really great songs. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's hard to like argue with the two. I, I have to say, this felt lower on my list than I expected, but it's still like, I mean, one of my favorite albums probably of all time. I go back to yeah. I think a notable thing about the sound is now that Kanye had more personal funds as well as album budget, he was able to bring in a lot of string production on late, late registration yeah. that he just couldn't afford for college dropout. So there's a lot of live orchestration present on this. And he also worked uh, with John Bryan, who had never worked on hip hop before. Obviously, we talked about him recently with Mac Miller's Circles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, to have these two records and then to have graduation follow it up it goes down as i mean it, it's probably a top it's def- definitely a top 10 three album run in hip-hop obviously there's a lot of competition but uh it, it's pretty unimpeachable yeah and then why don't we just jump right to graduation it's probably notable that kanye was touring with u2 <laughs> prior to this album's uh release you know and or even development i think that actually puts him in this frame of mind of wanting to create these really grand anthemic type songs. And man, it's, it's really hard to top uh, the college dropout only registration, but graduation, I mean, song for song is right up there with them for me. Um, I think just kind of going through, there's certainly, I think a couple of songs that I don't necessarily love, uh, but I gotta say that. Just say him. Again. Say him now. There are two bad songs on this. Drunken Hot Girls. Not a fan. It's fucking horrible. What would be the second one for you? I, I don't think Barry Bonds is very good. It's better than Drunken Hot Girls, but those two songs back to back in particular, I think hurts. Some people really like Barry Bonds, which I think is just like that 2000s little Wayne love and just like yeah. overlooking, you know, that the song really isn't that great. But I agree. Those would be the two that I don't really play. But after that, I mean, I think there's, I think every other song in here is just fucking great, man. Like that, that beginning run, Good Morning, Champion, Stronger, I Wonder, Good Life, Can't Tell Me Nothing, those first six songs. I mean, come on. Is there even a better six songs in a row on any other Kanye album? Maybe not. You know, it's always funny to reflect to the commercial uh, battle that was between Kanye's graduation and 50 Cent's Curtis, who would sell more <laughs> records head to head. And, you know, leading, you know, just a few years beforehand, everyone would have picked 50. But graduation just kept the rocket ship going. 957,000 first week sales. I mean, this is iTunes might just barely exist. That's people buying this record at a store. You know, Um, no one touches that number these days except for Taylor Swift. Huge, but also reflects the times. And yeah, graduation just has has the most hits on any album he's had to this point. Probably, actually, no, probably of all his albums, there's the most hits on this. And For sure. can't tell me nothing is really notable as one of, if not his greatest song ever, but also his first real anthem. Yeah, and is like that's a you know just kind of like a four quadrant song. It's appealing to everyone, no matter where you're from, stuff like that. You know, so yeah, I mean, graduation's true. I mean minus the, the two bad songs but truly like the the whole package but 
it was like the only way Kanye could find a way to succeed past college dropout late registration was to get bigger. And he managed to actually do it to great effect here. Because oh, I mean, all, so many of these songs still to this day, you know, can't tell me nothing's the number one, but Good Life with T-Pain, still a huge party smash. Stronger, obviously, the famous Daft Punk sample. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to, to even pull off that Daft Punk sample as effectively as he did, it's kind of mind-blowing. And then also Flashing Lights, you know, it's just there's just so many huge songs here. Yeah, it's, I, I want to go back to Stronger real quick, because Stronger really is this song that almost makes it more accessible for other artists to other rap artists to really start to incorporate house and electronic music into their records and it's been credited as probably one of the most influential uh singles to uh, reintroduce things like disco back into the Mm -hmm. mainstream uh music scene in the 2010s and, and late aughts and just the fact that you know, Kanye takes this Daft Punk song, uh, you know, EDM was growing in popularity at this time, but obviously still not as mainstream as it is now. And to take that and just kind of like totally make it so accessible to everybody, just an amazing accomplishment. And then you mentioned Good Life with T-Pain, which, I mean, just an absolutely wonderful song and really fun to listen to. But you start to see some of the DNA of 808s and what's kind of coming up for him in that collaboration and working with autotune, at least T-Pain obviously famously known for his use of autotune. Um, so it's, it's just an album where you start to see how his influence expands beyond uh, just the rap genre, because I think without him really making EDM as accessible as it was through Stronger and, and kind of being the leader there, he makes it accessible for all other genres. We start to see after this, a lot of uh, rock bands really uh, working with more electronic music into their songs. It's just a real accomplishment and graduation, I think is him like operating at his highest level. This is also the last album he makes with his mother alive. And I think that's a really important piece of this because at this time his mother was his manager, very close um, and you know, after his mother passes is really when his career starts to take interesting twists and turns. It feels like to this point, he's on this trajectory straight up and uh, graduation is kind of the culmination of that. And then when his mother Donda passes away from uh, cosmetic surgery um, in, was it 2000, late 2007 after this album dropped? Yeah. Um, that's when a lot of things start to change in Kanye's life. He also ends his engagement with, uh, what's her name, Alyssa Pfeiffer? Yeah, yeah, the fashion designer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a long relationship to that point. Yeah. And he's just in a very like dark place at this time, um, leading, you know, to uh, him coming on stage during the MTV Music Awards and, um, you know, interrupting Taylor Swift, saying that she shouldn't have won. Uh, and single lady should have won. Um, he kind of gets uh, publicly ostracized. He gets taken off his tour with Lady Gaga at the time, which imagine seeing La- Lady Gaga and Kanye together, like just a amazing double bill of a concert. Um, you know, he's he's really 
in this dark place. Maybe maybe that happens after 808s actually. It does. I'm no, it does. But, but uh, I, I think this is like one of like the first like moments where I just being too young to experience it. Oh, it, it hurts because you know his mother dies, but then he immediately goes on his first like really big international tour, the Glow in the Dark tour, mm-hmm. which also had you know on certain legs Rihanna, Nerd, Lupe. I think Santa Gold as well. Oh, really yeah. famous for like it's it's you know its use of lights and whatnot, and you know, had the Bonnaroo con- controversy was part of this tour, um, and th- that I think that's just a cool a cool footnote because like, you look at the images, you just try and like find some video of this tour, it just looks really cool. And obviously Kanye has made a huge uh, name for unique uh, tour set design. You know, of course, with the pyramid for Jesus and the floating stage for the St. Pablo tour, even performing in a box with Cuddy, uh, similar to how Lord had done, you know, so the first, I guess, the first iteration of this, but also his first really big international tour. He had done a few other tours around college dropout and late registration. As you mentioned, he had toured with a few rock bands, but this was, I think, like the big moment. And like you said, his mother dies and he does not follow up graduation the way anyone expected. Good ass job never gets released. And he just goes in a direction no one saw coming with 808s. Yeah. What is it about 808s that you think, um, like, <laughs> what do you think it is about 808s that you see as so different from those first three Kanye albums? Like, explain that a little more. Well, he's just singing. He's singing yeah. and using lots of autotune. <laughs> no, like, no, no one thought that would be what he would do you yeah. know it's kind of simple and we talked about how Kanye went from you know making college, the college dropout getting a little bit grander and larger in scale with late reg- registration going anthemic with graduation and then this is a very minimalist album it's very toned down very cold there's some big moments but for the most part it's it's a lot quieter and a lot more emotional and personal than um, I think some of Kanye's albums had been to that point, especially after following up graduation, you know, the la la la, wait till I get my money right. Like Kanye is talking about his own personal experience, but it's not as accessible as, you know, something like Coldest Winter. Like that's an incredibly personal mm. and, and, you know, heartbreaking song to listen to. And Kanye just hadn't done songs like this before. Yeah, no, he hadn't. Um, and a lot of people have some like, grand affinity for this album especially looking back it was still well received but his first album to get any sort of mixed reception or mixed fan reception when it came out just because of its uh, failure to meet expectations due to what it actually was Uh, and like it's still relatively well liked but I think just the the best songs on 808 just don't hold a candle to the best songs on his other good albums to me. Like, I don't know. It's it's not even close, honestly, for me. I I don't find myself going back to this one too much. Not that there isn't stuff to recommend, but I just, it's just not what I'm interested in. Yeah, I agree for me. Like, um, I, I believe that first like run is pretty strong. Say you will welcome to heartbreak heartless and amazing, I think are all like, you know, pretty strong songs. Um, not, I don't think anywhere near like Kanye's like near Kanye's best stuff. Um, Paranoid's all right. But then like RoboCop, I don't really like, like that much, honestly. I, I think the like up and down of the, the sonics of it are pretty cool. 
but right. just like the lyrics on it are kind of tough at, at points. Um, See You in My Nightmares, again, another little Wayne Kanye thing that I don't really find myself going back to. Streetlights is a pretty good song, I think. Yeah, um, that's the thing. People like like gas the fuck out of Streetlights, though. I, yeah. I can't go that far. Like, I like Streetlights. It's probably one of the best songs on 808s, but like, right. it's not, it's not top, top 10. Tier it's probably not even top 20. Like, let's slow no. down a bit. No, I, I agree. And then, obviously, you get like the live uh, Pinocchio story at the end. I mean, this is this is Kanye's sad boy album, and I I think the main like legacy of it is not only the choice of using um, you know the 808 drum style and and how that became something that was a lot more popular in rap music yeah. after he used it, um, and the use it's of the auto-tune. default now. Talk about right. the influence. This is that that's all you hear in hip hop now is an 808 and any right. kind of rap music, which is interesting too because it had just been like a dormant uh, drum instrument for like 20 years and then he's just like oh i just want to use this and now it's so popular but um you know like auto-tune obviously being something that was heavily used and people just continue to use now but i think just the like sad boy album of it all and you know how many like sad boy rappers do we have now and people like travis scott um juice world prior to his passing were very very much advocates for the influence that 808 had on their musical style and their careers. So it, this album, even though it's not the best Kanye still just has its fingers in the DNA of rap. Now it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Welcome to heartbreaks notable as the introduction to the world for kid Cudi who yeah. had then signed a, a good music. And of course, release uh, man, the moon one a year after this album, as well as the kid named Cudi uh, debut mixtape. So that's notable, you know, Mr. Hudson on Paranoid. He's uh, probably one of the first like failed good music signings where he signs to good music after linking with Kanye and then is like barely heard from again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, say you will too. People really like say you will. Doesn't do a whole lot for me, honestly. Uh, and like Heartless, Heartless, the big hit. Heartless is the most popular song off this album, but like it's a good song, but like, compared to his other good songs i'm not again not too interested yeah you know i was talking before about the controversy that was leading up in Kanye's life during this time and i think the critical and and public reception to 808s is probably uh, a major you know a significant narrative in that because kanye like i said had been on this trajectory of just critical acclaim huge stardom and this kind of took a bit of a left turn for him not necessarily that it was a failure of an album but just not nearly as liked or um, acclaimed as uh, the first three so then that you know there's this very turbulent period of time uh, the whole Taylor Swift thing get kicked off Lady Gaga's tour Kanye just decides to focus on fashion for a while and then is like nah I'm gonna go hole up in Hawaii I'm gonna fly all my favorite producers out I'm gonna have technicians around the clock so I can record whenever I want he's sleep deprived what would Wu-Tang do? And out of all this comes my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Man, um, talk about influential uh, albums in my life. This might be the album I've listened to most out of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to think like what other albums are really up there. I mean, other than song like albums from my teen years, which, you know, all I would do is like sit and listen to CDs a lot of the time. Um, this is probably the one I find myself coming back to most just a really uh, 
probably my favorite Kanye album. You know, just not not stuff on my list, but I just I I love this album. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it happened to make our best albums of the 2010s list. Both of our number ones. Check that out. YouTube.com/slash/nostalgiapod. So, uh, real ones know where the list is going. Right. But yeah, it's. I mean, one of if not the greatest comebacks in music in terms of someone being yeah. as high as they were going as low as they were then getting back damn near as high as they once were um and in this case kanye going back around as ma- getting as maximalist as he possibly could right. such a stark contrast to 808s and a welcome one yeah and you know i you remember uh was the vmas where like him and Pusha T show up kind of out of the blue doing runaway kanye famously oh hitting the key which is now a thing he's done all the time when he plays the song very very uh, memorable yeah. and i mean you know even before this his album comes out november 2010 starting in august 2010 you have good fridays uh which is what about i think 15 yeah 15 tracks released one every friday four of which end up making the album at the end um so just talking about a memorable time in hip-hop music, memorable time for like the blog era, you know, every Friday mm-hmm. there's a new Kanye song. This is a crazy thing, you know? Yep. And uh, yeah. And then, and then of course you get the album and the album just completely delivers and just has so many, so many bangers, so many yep. intricate songs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember this, um, this came out in November of 2010, right around, I think, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, 22nd. So, yeah, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was playing. I remember playing the album all winter and leading up to Coachella. Right. Kanye did a huge festival run, huge tour around my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. And I think that kicked off with Coachella and he comes out and he has this huge backdrop that's like this like roman like uh parthenon type like visual with like all this like marble stuff he has the ballerinas coming out and doing all this these huge performances on stage he gets lifted in a crane above the crowd like uh even though like you mentioned the the after dark or the the glow tour was it called Glow in the dark tour yeah glow in the dark tour uh this really feels like the first time i was tuned into kanye's uh, like artistic style really coming out his his live performances and I think that it is something that sets him apart for me from other artists is he's he really does push the limits of what you can do on stage what you how you think about a live performance a lot of the time we'll talk about that more as we get to some of the concerts we've been to and you mentioned a lot of the stage design already um, but yeah my beautiful dark twist fantasy even from the first song my dark fantasy uh like you mentioned, it's it's big, it's maximalist, it's Kanye at his most like braggadocia, but also like uh, intimate and uh, somewhat introspective, at least as much as Kanye can be at this point of his career, I think, as that's highlighted in songs like Runaway. Um, I think Blame Game is also similar, although could probably cut out a good like minute and a half of the end of the song yeah blame game's the one song on this i actually dislike i also don't listen to lost in the world or who will survive in america all that much either mm. but everything else i love you mentioned dark fantasy it's my favorite intro track of all time really memorable intro track you have that sample you have that uncredited Nicki minaj intro vocals yeah. 
Um, of course, Power was the lead single to this album, speaking to the maximalism. Really good choice, I think, for a comeback single. Yep. You know, the music video might not have aged all that well. It's very CGI, but mm-hmm. uh, huge song. And I think really important for this album release. And I mean, there's, there's so, much, so many other things. We mentioned Runaway, which is, you know, a Pantheon song from him. Maybe something mm-hmm. less remarked upon, like Gorgeous, where he's still rapping back and forth with, uh, with Raekwon. Very memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil in a New Dress with the Rick Ross feature. Legendary at this point. And then Monster, of course, legendary for the Nicki Minaj coming out party that it was. Not that Nicki wasn't well-known or mainstream at this point. You know, 2009, she had already started to blow. But to, to wax Jay-Z and Kanye and on, on, on the same song that she's on, and Ross, you know, just, you know, a legendary feature. Yeah, what a what a moment that was on the album. And you know, that's uh, monster comes right after all of the lights, which yeah, uncredited on that. You have Alicia Keys, John Legend, The Dream, Drake, Fergie, Kid Cudi, Elton John, like 50 like, people. Yeah. Like just uh, Rihanna just uh, coming in just to probably record for a few minutes and hang out and, you know, work on this album with Kanye. He really brought as many people together as he could for this. Um and all the songs we mentioned are, are probably not even my favorite tracks on the album. I, I think that Devil in a New Dress to Runaway are like by far my favorite one, two on this whole thing. Um, I think Devil in a New Dress, that Kanye Ross, like, uh, I don't know, that transition between them is just mm-hmm. like so perfect, like and spectacular. It's uh, really, I think up until probably... Uh, lost in the world maybe because i i do like blame game even with the chris rock stuff um i think that's just like a perfect album to that point i i do like lost in the world and who will survive in america but it does definitely like take a bit of a fall off from the rest of the album for me um but yeah i mean we we talked about my beautiful dark dark twisted fantasy as dave said in our best albums of the last decade and you can check out more on that i don't know if we can really add too much more is there anything else about dark fantasy that you wanted to share before we move on uh let's see uh i just want to note the all the lights remix it's an unreleased track you can find on youtube featuring little wayne big sean and drake really love that song at the time ran that back constantly uh so appalled which was was one of the good friday tracks there was a song i didn't like too much for a while but now i've come to really appreciate I think notable that you see Sahai the Prince featured out in the open here. Of course, someone who had been working with Kanye and then helping Kanye write songs for many years and to this day still. So that, that's obviously nice to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's only there's only so much you can say about this one at this point. Uh, I, I guess the album cover is notable. You know, the, the blurred out uh, nudity for for, yeah. for most people. Yeah, yeah, and there's also a uh, accompanying. Um, like a 35 minute music movie with it that uh, it's like an interesting watch. It's not like, you know, anything mind blowing, but it's definitely interesting. Very Kanye, you know, his, his next solo album is until 2013 with Jesus, but he's working during this time. He releases yes. watch the throne with Jay Z, um, which uh, Dave, give, give your quick watch the throne take. Yeah. That's only, that's less than a year later. That's August, 2011. So what's it like 10, eight, 10, nine months, whatever that yeah. is. Um, yeah. So, it's it's a good album, but it's kind of buoyed by its like biggest moments 
right? There's like throwback stuff like Otis. There's mm-hmm. really contemporaneous stuff like Who Can Stop Me, you know, using a Flux Pavilion dubstep production, very in vogue in 2011, yeah. less so today. Um, and yeah, so I feel like it, it's a moment, it's a song that, uh, album, sorry, that has really great moments. Of course, Paris is the yeah. the biggest hit, something that both of them will still play at their own sets without the other one. But I think less of it, you know, like like there's people that'll ride for like murder excellence or something, and like there's some still some good rapping there. But I think for the most part, Jay Z gets the better of Kanye on the rapping side of things. But from the album cover to the production, it's still a Kanye production, Kanye yeah. joint. Yeah, what I agree. Watch the Throne, I think, has some really cool moments. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't think it. Uh, is would it wouldn't fall very high on my list you know I, I'll, we'll mention that when we get to it um and then just uh, a little over a year later mm-hmm. or not even a year later only a few months later um you get that was a year later august 2012 for cruel summer yeah oh it's a, i thought i hear it said january but um yeah so you get cruel summer good music collaboration you know kanye kind of is taking what he was doing with my beautiful dark Twisted fantasy bringing people in and just kind of continuing these collaborations putting stuff out uh dave give me a minute on cruel summer yeah so i i love cruel summer honestly Mm -hmm. i think the highs are really high yeah so cruel summer came out in uh actually i had it wrong too it came out in september 2012 but for whatever reason, Spotify says January. That I don't know why it says that. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's a, it's about a year later. Uh, I think the highs of Cruel Summer are freaking awesome. Just like th- this is this has bangers, bangers that I still listen to. You know, people know Click, but yep. Mercy, of course, was ubiquitous at the time. I love New God Flow, both mm-hmm. Kanye's verse and Pusha's verse. Pusha absolutely spazzes. Really love Kanye for what. Went from most hated to the champion God flow. I guess that's a feeling only me and LeBron know. Yeah. Fucking bars. Yeah. The morning's awesome. And what's that? Don't one? like. I mean, that's and a, of course a really popular. Don't song. like is one of my favorite Kanye associated songs ever. Notably, the extended version of the Don't Like remix that you got to find on YouTube. Whenever they play this song anywhere, whenever Pusha performs this song or Chief Keefe performs this song, it's not the extended version of the extended push a T verse. It always pissed me off because I know all those words. Nobody else knows all those <laughs> words. They never play the extended version. The extended version is better. Yeah, Don't Like's amazing. Another great example of Kanye finding someone to make his muse, even if briefly, right? Chief Keef was 16 when Don't mm-hmm. Like happened. Of course, his fellow Chicagoan, the genesis of Chicago drill music, which is still going on today getting this high profile remix, which I think is great, you know, huge moment. Then of course we get Chief Keef coming back around on Yeezus a year later, hold my liquor. So I think as a label album, as a good music album, it falls a bit short because a lot of the biggest moments on this are not from good music artists, such as 2 Chains, who was right. like basically a good music artist around this time, but not actually signed. And there's just a lot of other good music signees at the time that aren't really even on this at all. You know, there's been talk on and off of a Cruel Winter sequel album. I really don't see it coming given how dormant good music as a label operation seems to feel like these days, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
especially for the time and just reflecting back on the hits I still still really like it and even one of my favorite like quote-unquote like clunker Kanye raps you have a R. Kelly featured on this which has an H will of course to the world yeah but Kanye at the end of that song is like R. Kelly and the gotta rap shitting on you holy crap like I don't know I still love that shit (laughs) yeah I mean I I think you summed it up really well the highs of Cruel Summer are really really high and just that those songs that you mentioned are just unassailable in my opinion as rap songs of that time you know and we haven't really talked much about this but just thinking about Kanye albums to this this point I mean we don't care you mentioned uh having like the children's uh choir behind them having it's like a really pleasurable like first song uh heard him say with uh adam levine very like nice fun song graduation starts with good morning you have um my beautiful dark twisted fantasy with dark fantasy kanye starts all of his albums with these really great openers usually and then you you know june 2018 or june 18th uh 2013 you put Jesus in and the first thing you hear is on site. And I remember listening to this with uh, my fiance, second time I'm going to mention her, Julianne. And we both were like, what the fuck is this? And this shit, the first listen, I was like, what the hell did Kanye do? The second listen, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. And I feel like that's the way a lot of people have thought about Yeezus. That first listen is so jarring because it's yeah. so different from everything Kanye did up to this point. But it's it's such a strong album, start to yeah. finish. It really aged like a me. fine wine, baby. Yeah, amazing. Once you remove from the to some disappointment, but to many just bewilderment, confusion. Once you remove from that and you reflect back on it, listen back on it. Once again, sounds very instructive of what is to come, but just really holds up. I remember the famous quote from Kanye. He's like. People would have liked Yeezus more if Blood on the Leaves was the first track not on site. So I mean, it's more inviting uh, mm-hmm. sonically, even if, of course, lyrically, it's not an inviting thing at all. Uh, yeah, I, I love Yeezus to this day. I love the album cover, you know, yeah. a nod to Rage Against the Machine, it's, uh, mm-hmm. steal this album cover. But something I just still associate with Kanye, you know, like we had this whole discourse with uh, when Donda came out, just a all black cover. And, Donald Glover tweets, I love being influential because his album from 2020 was an all-white cover. Then get Lupe Fiasco chiming in because his Food and Liquor 2 was already an all-black cover from 2012. To me, though, I think of all of this recently, I still think of Yeezus, which came out after Lupe album, but the Yeezus cover is just so stark and awesome to me. And I have plans one day to like make like a, a print poster of it and just put it on the wall. I think it's so cool. Yeah, and... Uh- you know, we we both went to I, we went to multiple. I think. Um, so you saw least, him in the city. I only saw him the one one time on okay. the stop, right? I, I saw him twice on the Yeezus tour. Once at Madison Square Garden, and one time at the uh, Times Union Center in Albany with Dave. Um, and this is just an amazing, amazing show to see. You know, he's uh, he has this huge like mountain pyramid type thing behind mm. him. He's comes out and he's got like altar servers leading him out on stage carrying crosses a lot of christian imagery with this um and he's wearing the masks right he's wearing like his normal or kanye attire to this point but with these sparkly masks these like uh really elaborate 
costumes. Uh, he's got people running around as like monsters on stage with these red eyes. Like he's really doing a lot with this and it all really worked. Like it was just a, such an amazing show to see. Um, yeah, and white course, Jesus there. Yeah. It, I mean, the whole thing is just like, thinking back I thought even hard to like really explain I remember coming out of the Madison Square Garden and meeting up with some friends and just like trying to explain to them what we had just seen they were like what are you all talking about yeah just a singular experience also given that this was taking this tour took place 2013 fall or spring you know winter 2014 phone quality uh recordings just aren't up to snuff so like i I don't really have anything like i didn't really capture anything that good from it honestly just because my you know whatever i had galaxy s3 or whatever at the time just just it wasn't there you know Mm -hmm. so i I wish i had better stuff to reflect on heck even when i saw them later at the meadows in 2016 i still don't have good like phone video no no well and you also are uh more prone to be like down in, in the in the shit you know i'm, I'm yes. i kind of sit back more and, and get the the full view but you're right. always in it so it's hard to get good footage there um you know i think it's important to kind of think about who kanye is working with for this album right daft punk is uh giving producer credit on a lot of these tracks at least the first couple um and then some near the end as well justin vernon notably yep. uh gasafelstein uh, who we've yep. talked about um Hudson Mohawk also is on this, yep. who had been signed to Good Music as well as producer. It's also the first time we're seeing people like Travis Scott um, start popping up with some yes. um, credits he, on here. He was barely rapping at this time. I think the Al Faro debut mixtape came out either right before, right after this. And if you remember at that time, Travis Scott was a lot raw. Just as a, obviously we know the performing side, but as a, as as a vocalist, he was a lot raw and unrefined. And Kanye had found that and signed him originally just as a producer. People kind of forget it so long ago. Travis came up as a producer. This is, I think, his most high profile uh, performance as a vocalist to this point. Mm -hmm. So quite notable. Yeah. And thinking about uh, uh, Twisted Fantasy, um, you know, there's there's been some interviews Kanye's done where he's talked about how he was in such a uh, a place of um, on the outside of the public persona and, and public acceptance that he almost felt like he needed to like create an album that was like unassailable and that people were definitely going to love to kind of like get back in the good graces. And he obviously accomplished that, but is, I think the underlying message there is that maybe that's not exactly the album he wanted to make. Jesus feels exactly like what Kanye wanted to do during this time. Right. So I, I believe he's already either in a relationship or, possibly married to Kim by this point. I think they were just dating at the time, but they were together for the recording of it. Very famously, you know, the Bound 2 video has her straddling him on a motorcycle. Uh, Very strange video. Uh, The James Franco and Seth Rogen spoofed, which is pretty funny, but um, you know, Kanye's got a lot of interesting, very public stuff going on in his life during this time. And this is an album that I think you can really dive into like the themes of it, the, the song order. Um, I think you can kind of read into like him doing this whole, like, um, you know, falling apart and coming back together, redemption type arc, finding redemption through love type of theme. If you want to, you can read a lot into it, but just to kind of go to the simplest form, the tracks are, are great songs. Like, 
Blood on the Leaves, like you mentioned, Black Skinhead, New Slaves, I think are the like obvious ones that people like. But I really like songs like I'm In It or Send It Up. Like those really stand out to me as just super strong tracks where Kanye's really, you can hear the uh, Gasafelstein um, influence yeah. on Send It Up, right? Like that song is just like so dark, but just really works so well. Yeah. Yeah, I believe this is the first time Kanye had worked with Rick Rubin, obviously a co-founder of Def Jam, but Rubin really helped Kanye craft this. And I think notably by trimming the track list, trimming the songs. And there's famously songs that were created during this time that were like, were too melodic, too uh, radio friendly to make Jesus. So you, you could just tell it's so refreshing to remember that the Kanye vision and, you know, with, with help from Rick Rubin, Kassafelstein, whoever, the Kanye vision was so precise. And Kanye still had a huge grasp on his vision, uh, took a complete grasp on it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say note, also notable, this is the last album that was released by Kanye on Rockefeller Records. Rockefeller, as a imprint of Def Jam, would go defunct later in 2013. So everything else since then is just, you know, Def Jam and good music. Um, and also... Very famous uh, release day for hip hop heads. Notably, alongside Yeezus, you got J. Cole's sophomore album, Born Sinner, and Mac Miller's sophomore album, Watch Movies with the Sound Off. So I remember the day vividly just because it was a, a huge treat for everyone, especially because at the time, a lot of people who weren't into Kanye, you know, giving us like garage sampling and stuff were like, mm-hmm. you know what? Nah, it's about this J. Cole right now, man. This is something yeah. I understand. <laughs> and obviously yeah. people, people, myself included, still really like Born Center as a record. But I mean, Yeezus just stands up as such a singular work. And again, something only Kanye could have done. I mean, you named all the best tracks already. So it's uh, yeah. something I still really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. And then we don't hear from Kanye again until 2016. Life of Pablo, which, you know, you like we said this is one of the first uh albums we really well this is like the probably the first big the big first. album we talked yeah. about on the pod and uh this is uh an album i went back to very recently even prior to deciding to do this uh you know in the lead up to donda very famous uh rollout kanye having you know a fashion show through adidas at this point he's like the like head curator or whatever his title was for them at mm-hmm. that point and um you know, the, the imagery of him and Kid Cudi jumping up and down and to yes. um, father stretch my hands. It's such a vivid image in my head that I probably will never forget. Um, but, you know, Kanye playing it live, not putting it out, playing uh, Ultra Light Beam on SNL, album not dropping right away. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change this. So the album kind of changing. How long is it? What tracks are out? And there was a lot of stuff. It was originally put out as a, uh, waves was going to be the title and then he i think changed it up and there's like a famous picture of like the track list with like act one act two act three a lot of themes you know around it saint paul pablo picasso pablo escobar all these different things kanye supposedly talking about pablo's long it's bloated not every track hits but i think the highs of this are really really high and it's uh if nothing else, we got Ultralight Beam, Famous, and Father Stretch My Hands, Part 1 and 2 out of it. So uh, I'll count that as a, a win for Kanye fans. But Dave, your your impressions of the life of Pablo? Yeah, just while I have it in my head, 
it is it's kind of funny to like think about what was tweaked post-release with life of pablo like remember i'm a fixed wolves obviously the famous quote as you said but like wolves with c and vic mensa the frank ocean outro gets removed becomes frank's track and then you add like silver surfer intermission which i believe was combined with something else before and then saint pablo just a a, a completely other song just added on to the bottom it's like i think that's like really yeah and there was a few changes to like some lines but like the the tweaking is so hard to like keep track of at this point because like all, all the key moments are still there you know mm-hmm. if anything i think the more interesting tweaking had happened behind the scenes before the album came out in any fashion like with chance the rapper being the featured artist on waves instead of chris right. brown that's something that i find more interesting yeah i, I kind of wish i had remained chance but chris brown does sound pretty good on that track um you know what what songs other than maybe the the first four really do you find yourself liking off this yeah like you said with the first four uh father stretching my hand super memorable it's your first time you hear it also when you hear part two for the first time which is basically just designers panda mm-hmm. just hearing that for the first time you're like what the fuck is this who the fuck is designer you know it's yeah obviously very notable uh, i really like feedback mm-hmm. which is coming That's, off right after yeah. that towards the top uh i think real friends in terms of yep. Kanye rapping is perhaps the strongest on this whole album. It, at this point, Kanye maybe not having the pen he used to have was starting to come up. You know, mm-hmm. thankfully with Pablo, he still for the most part had a vision he could keep, keep straight, knew who, what guests to bring in, good ear for production still. But like the pen was starting to slip a little bit. So like hearing something like Real Friends, even hearing something like No More Parties in LA, uh, I really enjoy. And mm-hmm you know, like facts and fade, you know, facts is kind of like what Drake's jump man, basically Charlie heat version, Charlie heat production really stands out to me and fade. We obviously know from the Taylor yeah. Taylor performance in the video production stands out again. Yeah. I don't know if I love Connie's performances on those songs, but like the beats kind of steal it from me. Um, oh, and, oh, I do like wolves. Yeah. Wol- wolves is wolves is cool. Wolves is unique. Yeah, that that definitely stands out. I I think you hit all of them. Um, 30 Hours, I think, is probably the track I like most. And it's so funny because you you just have Andre 3000, just 30 hours. But really, I don't know, it's very memorable. (laughs) And I I wish we had gotten, I think there was rumor that he was actually going to do a verse for that. I don't know if they just cut it or it just never came to light. But um, yeah, you know, the after those first couple songs, I think there's a lot of good stuff on here. I like Waves just because it sounds stands out so much and is like a very it almost sounds like a track from like 2009, like Chris Brown album, you know. So it's, mm-hmm. it seems sounds a little old, but I, I I do like it. But a lot of it is pretty forgettable. I think not not things that really push it to the top tier for me. Um, so yeah, like like highlights with Thug, pretty unmemorable. FML, the weekend's performance on the chorus is is nice, but that's about it, honestly. Um, but still, I think it's still a lot of songs. Like, obviously, people really love Ultralight Beam. Ultralight Beam is memorable, especially for Chance's performance and famous. Yeah. Awesome Rihanna chorus, the Taylor Swift line, iconic at this point. So, I mean, I still think when you run it up, there's still a lot of memorable stuff here, but it's kind of like 
more fits and starts song to song or part of song to part of song than mm-hmm. like a full vision the way Jesus was so clearly complete. Yeah. You know? It felt definitely more disjointed. Um, and Kanye's attention, you know, is pulled in a lot of directions at this point. We mentioned he's doing a lot with fashion design. He's got a very famous and high profile uh, relationship at this point um, in marriage at this point, I should say. And he's doing a lot of production a couple of years later during the Wyoming sessions, um, which uh, we've we talked about extensively, but, you know, producing for Nas, Tiana Taylor, um, did a, a album Kids See Ghosts with Cuddy. Um, push so, a T. Yeah, Push a T, right. Very famous during that Drake time. Leaf, and Drake Beef explodes at this time. Exactly. Um, so he's, you know, and very publicly also dealing with mental health issues, um, which uh, he talks about. And it's obviously right on the cover of his album. Uh, uh, I love being bipolar uh, or I hate being bipolar. It's something awesome. like that. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so, you know, Kanye's got a lot going on. He's also doing uh, smaller, you know, to this point, Jesus' 40 Minutes had been his shortest album. And Ye is, what, I think, like 24 minutes, 23. Yeah, seven tracks. That was the whole thing with these Wyoming albums. They were going to be short. Yeah, only seven tracks short. for each one. Um, Ye, looking back, uh, I think kind of continues the life of Pablo run where it's just like not at that same level anymore. Uh, I, there's still moments and tracks that really stand out. Um, and it's all, it's still pretty interesting, but it just does not grab me the same way past Kanye's projects do. Yeah. And then because it's so short, it doesn't have enough time to grab you when it's not like this super tight seven track thing. So it's basically like Pablo, but lesser just because both literally there's less of it but also like it just doesn't have time to make an impression there's still stuff that stands like i like yikes just as a fun yep. like you know song and i love no mistakes for the um what is that curtis mayfield who's the mm-hmm. i think it's uh, curtis mayfield hold on no it's uh charlie wilson sorry the, the charlie wilson uh feature on the chorus i love um, but I guess like the big the big takeaway at the time, and I guess still now was Ghost Town for 070 Shakes. Yeah, uh, that's the perf- moment performance. But yeah, there's only, there's only a little bit. I think uh, shout out Partisan Fontaine, who was very involved with writing on this album and on everything with Wyoming at the time. But yeah, I mean it's it's not bad, but it's just it's just so so slight that mm-hmm. it's like it's like a lesser Pablo really. Yeah, and even the tracks that aren't great, like I thought about Killing You, not a track I like, but it's memorable just because of, you know, mm. obviously the lyrics, but also Kanye. Meditated murder. Yeah, exactly. Um, a song like Wouldn't Leave is just like a really nice, like love song, basically. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's moments to it, but it just does not live up to Kanye's standards. I don't know if we had spent a lot of time on Ye. Is there anything notable that you want uh, to mention? I don't think so. You mean, YouTube.com does nostalgia pie. We have a 15 minute review on this, but I think yeah. people know yay's yay's towards the bottom. Yeah. And you know, Kitsy Ghost, I think, is a better showing from Kanye and for sure. I, I mean, Reborn alone is the best <laughs> verse of anything he had done at the time. Yep. Um, I also really like free off that and cutting uh cutting montage is yeah. also one of my favorites. But uh Jesus is King comes out just a year later. Kanye's uh, really leaning into his faith. Year and a half. Uh, end of October 2019. 
Yeah. And this is, just, I'm just going to say it, my, my least favorite Kanye album. Um, it just doesn't really have the moments for me or the tracks. Um, you know, and the, uh, I, I get that this is kind of his, like, he's, he's really trying to lean into his faith and things that seems to have really gotten him through some difficult times. But I, I think the only song I really find myself coming back to at all with this is use this gospel mm. <laughs> you know with uh clips and kenny g like that's right. really the only track um you know there's a couple in the middle water yep. stands out just um production wise uh god is and hands on i guess that maybe that run is like the part of the album i like the most but overall i just kind of don't find it very interesting what about you yeah same same i really like follow god just because that's mm. Yeah, a Kanye so. banger that almost doesn't fit on the rest of Jesus King. I give Jesus King credit though because it does feel like a full vision, and it is quite True. cohesive. And post Pablo, even including Pablo, that hasn't been something we've been saying about Kanye for a five-year span at this point. Mm-hmm. So I give it credit for realizing a vision, but it's still a you know gospel with hip hop vision so it's not really for me mm-hmm. you would actually follow this up with a sunday service album that came out on christmas in 2019 i actually even haven't even listened to that honestly because it's not really kind of rapping yeah. but uh yeah jesus king um i guess the the biggest takeaway for me is that we got this instead of yandi 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 leaks but never actually comes out and there are some yandi leaks that are a lot more interesting and in, in, in case of new body just better than anything on jesus king alas it's not what happened yeah um yeah and then we've talked about it recently but jesus is king is uh the last album before donda which just dropped this year and you know check out our review for that i don't know if we need to go too long on donda um a few weeks removed well, from Kanye went too long we know that <laughs> Donda returns to the the long Kanye album, uh, you know, 27 tracks, almost two hours. And um, just to summarize, I think my take on it, I think there's like a really strong five songs in the beginning and like a strong five songs near the end that Mm. if you put that together, made a 10 song album, maybe with a couple others, it would be like a pretty strong Kanye record, but it's just bloated. And a lot of the tracks just sound uh, unnecessary or not really that interesting. Yeah, I think lyrically, on the best moments, it's clearly Kanye's best work since at least Pablo, specifically when yes. he's talking about his divorce, uh, or mm-hmm. you know, ongoing divorce from Kim. Uh, he still gets the best out of many guests on this, such yep. as Fabio Foreign on Off the Grid, The Weekend on Hurricane, etc. So it has a lot of Kanye trademarks when you can find them. The problem is it's too bloated and it just feels like an example of Kanye being unable to wrangle his vision and yeah. keep his vision straight and his inability to curate on Donda is a new phenomenon and really frustrating, you know, because if Donda was half its long, you a lot better yeah. because there are some really great highs on Donda and some classic Kanye ass shit going on but it's just too bloated and it's too hard to keep track of it half the time, you know? And I don't want to make a playlist 
of my Donda. I want Kanye to release a good Donda, but that's not what happened. It's frustrating that that's, I feel like that's what's sitting with me the most about Donda a few weeks later. So, yeah. And anyway. at this point, Kanye as a public figure, you know, quite reviled for uh, his support of Donald Trump. Uh, we talked about, you know, as he's doing the lead up to the album release and doing the Apple music uh, or Apple TV uh listening parties that he yeah, brought up Manson and uh, you know, just him as a public figure at this point is, uh, you know, challenging to grapple with. And a lot of people have kind of tuned out. Um, you know, if you go on Kanye's Wikipedia, there's a pretty long section about controversy and with like multiple different sections. And a lot of them are within the last like four years. Um, Jay-Z calls him out a bit, you know, not, not necessarily super strong, but on the first, uh, I guess like first real track jail, um, you know, he, he talks about like, take the red cap off, we're going home, like type of thing. Like, uh, you know, Kanye at this point as a person, we alluded to this in the beginning has become more provocateur than like thoughtful, like leader, which is uh, a sad state to see him in potentially he could get back there, but I think he has just a long way to go. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think you saw, summed up Donda really well. Why don't we move on to the rankings? This one was tough for me, Dave. Yeah, not not gonna lie. Um, and especially when you know when we're doing things like putting the uh, saying this is a D D tier Kanye album. I mean, I, I see on your screen if you're watching YouTube.com/slash/NostalgiaPod, and if you can see Dave's screen, um, he has like the uh, his rankings up in in different tiers. Uh, putting anything that Kanye makes as like F, E, or D tier is really funny to me because it's like uh, compared to other artists, these would probably be in like B or, or A tiers for a lot of them. So yes. this is all on the Kanye curve, of course. Um, but why don't, why don't you give me yours and then we'll, we'll run through mine because I think going back and forth is hard. Yeah, so I think there's a clear bottom of Jesus is King and Yay. Um, and I consider that its own bottom tier. That's the F tier, as it were. I decided to have Ye last and Jesus King slightly above just because of the vision. Even if, if I'm being honest, I actually like listening to more of the Ye songs. Yeah. But just as an album construction, I feel like Jesus King is slightly ahead. Um, so that's where I have at the bottom. Yeah, so my, at the bottom for me is Jesus is King, um, Ye. And, you know, I guess if I was tearing him like you, I probably would have him similar where the, that's like the F tier. I have the same order as you with Donda. I don't know if I put Donda in the same tier as them, but uh, it's yeah, definitely... I have it a step up. I put it in E. Yeah, so the way, I think we would be similar there. And then I also have 808s as my uh, seventh album, um, yep. which you also have, and I, I have that in a different tier as well. And I also I think I'd put uh, Pablo in that tier, um, just because I, you know, looking back, Pablo has some really high highs, but I just think um, there's a, just too much blow and not enough memorability in the yeah. second half. So yeah, I. I... I'd imagine to most people, me having Pablo above 808s is not what they would do. But 808s, I've never really connected with it. But yeah, it is. It does have a stronger vision. And if I was going off of how I just ranked Jesus as King, I suppose I would rank it higher. But I just like Pablo songs more. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I went back and forth between 808 seventh and Pablo six a lot. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I could probably flip them tomorrow if you talk to me about it. I think 808s is a little bit more like complete in terms of like vision but Pablo's highs are just so much higher. So um, re-listenability obviously plays a part in these. Um, so then for me, I have uh, late registration as my fifth 
Um, and then I had uh, Jesus as my fourth. I see that you have uh, college dropout next, right? Yeah, I have college dropout as my fifth and late registration as my fourth. Now, going into this prospect, I was like, all right, college dropout number two, blah, blah, blah. And the more I thought about it, the more I listened to everything, I was like, you know what? It's actually going to be down a few. And then when I really like thought about it, saw in the song, I connect with late registration more. And specifically, I just... Again, I think the rapping yeah. is stronger on late registration. And I know there's a lot of nostalgia with college dropout, but I think, and like I, and it might even be a tighter record, but for me, the high late registration is just a little higher. So I have it, have it there at, at four. Yeah. I think a lot of people would see that as a hot take, uh, which is, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. Cause usually I, so. I feel like our rankings are pretty uh, cut and dry, but yeah. So uh, I had Jesus uh, as my fourth and then graduation third college dropout two and then my beautiful dark twisted fantasy one. So, and really dropout and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy are one, a one B for me type of thing. Um, but I see for you, you, you put my beautiful dark, dark twisted fantasy a tier above everything else. I did. Yeah. So I have Jesus third graduation, second fantasy one. And it's really just an admiration for Jesus which I feel like is so complete and so unique. Yeah. And I think that if, that, if anything, that's the hot take, having Yeezus three, you know, to many people, it's not even top five, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think it's really, it stands up what, so well. But then graduation, you know, another thing that I was like, you know what, graduation is more commercial. Surely that won't be above college dropout. But when I, again, when I ran back the songs, I was like, man, there's just so much undeniability about the graduation run that i yeah. just had to keep it there so you know and dark Horse fantasy as we said favorite album of the 2010s uh as flaw close to flawless as he's gotten for me mm-hmm. and an easy choice for the number one yeah i i think i think graduation Twisted Fantasy and Yeezus need they deserve to be in Kanye's top four for sure. And then I would obviously put Dropout in there. Um, I, I I think you made a good argument for why Dropout's a little bit lower. And really, those top five uh, albums are just unassailable to me. Uh, albums that I just love, go back to a mm-hmm. lot, um, and just are really impressive works. And that's the thing is Kanye really is like a musical and production genius, and <laughs> he says it a lot. And you know, it's kind of a joke at this point because he's presents as so narcissistic so you know so often but it, the influence he's had as we've as i think we've made a pretty good case for um it, it's undeniable um i just wanted to wrap up real quick let's say you had to throw the collaboration albums in here where would they fall for you Ooh, interesting yeah so i'll just say off the jump too there's probably some people out there that would have 808s in their top five and mm-hmm. i just will not hear any of that that's ludicrous to me Alas, Watch the Throne, Cruel Summer. I'd have Watch the Throne in the C tier with Pablo. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd have to give it a full run back. Maybe it's ahead of Pablo for me. It's not cracking the top five. Yeah. And then Cruel Summer, I, I love the highs, but it's obviously a flawed record. So I'd have that with, with the 808s tier. I guess I'd have it below 808s because 808s is more complete. Yeah. I think I would put... I think I'd probably put them all, honestly. Uh, Watch the Throne, Kids See Ghost, and Cruel Summer somewhere around my like 808s Life of Pablo mm-hmm. area. 
Um, just because there's there are some really great moments on those, but none of them feel as essential or as complete as those first you know five that we mentioned. So again, an unassailable uh, top five album. So and spanning two decades, pretty amazing. Last question for you, Dave, as we wrap up. Favorite Kanye collaborator? I wrote down four that I guess really stand out. Three of these are in a different tier than the fourth one, but I just felt mm. like we had to include them at this point. Cuddy, Jay Z and Pusha are like the three that really stand out to me. But then also yeah. he's worked a lot with Bonnie Vare, basically since mm-hmm. Jesus. And it's, you know, even listening back to Jesus, Bonnie Vare is way more involved in that than I had first remembered. So, yeah, I think that's the, that's the four. Yeah. Who who's, would you say your favorite is there? Hmm. Man. It's tough. <laughs> I think Cuddy. probably Jay Z. I think ooh over Cuddy. What 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 would make you pick that? Just like Jay Z and Kanye going back and forth on gotta have it off Watch the Throne. I don't yeah. think he's matched that with anyone else. Yeah, that's that's true. That he, that he works with a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I just think I I really like the Kanye Cuddy songs a lot. Even even songs off Cuddy stuff like Erase Me. Um, you know, or uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I just I always enjoy them together. And whenever Cuddy shows up, I'm just like, man, kind of just gets the best out of him somehow. It's really he awesome. Does. That's so, yeah, it, and and it's funny because probably the best song out of any of the collaborations we're talking about with Pusha is probably the best song with Runaway. You know, so it's like True. he just gets great great work out of all the the people he, he works with usually. So that's the Kanye. Uh, breakdown the deep dive give us your uh give us your rankings give us your thoughts where do we mess up what do we miss um soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod youtube.com slash nostalgia pod and uh nostalgia pod on twitter uh dave any last thoughts just make sure you subscribe more rankings coming movie directors album artists plenty on the way and there's other rankings already out there on youtube drake j cole Tyler the creator Brockhampton, Anderson Pack, Quinn Tarantino, Wes Anderson, tons of other rankings to get into. So get into those. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.